Oh no, but when you get it, you get it. it you know. And, and grinders, grinders aren't that expensive. Go to Walmart and you get a grinder for twenty bucks and such. So. And beans are beans aren't that much more expensive than the already ground coffee. It's try it one time and you'll. And that's the thing I think about Starbucks. They're freshly ground coffee. They're they're grinding the beans there, aren't they? And so it's 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 a more intense. She does not drink coffee. Mm -hmm. She's not a coffee person. So it's not it's not that you don't drink caffeine, you don't drink coffee. Anyway. So we're gonna get started. Um, and I hate uh, Chris, I did it by myself. I I, 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 I this many old. <laughs> anyway, so I, <laughs> I'm, I'm this much. Anyway, um, I, I knew, I know I said last week I'm, we're done with status and respect, but I came up across something new this week that kind of goes towards status and respect, and I want to go back and address it because we were going to do natural world, connecting with the natural world, which that's easy. Everyone, go outside for a change. All right, <laughs> there you go. You connect with the natural world. We'll go more into that later. It's called nature, natural world. But... Um, Anyway, but status and respect, and I, I think as I get, the, I had a client this week that got me into this a little bit more because, uh, and I, I won't say her name, so that protects her privacy, and you don't know her, so it doesn't matter. Uh, it, it was a teenage girl, it was a 15-year-old girl, and she's suffering with depression, and she tells me, and this sounds really bad. I know you guys know my heart, so you know where I'm coming from when I'm about to say this statement. So you know I'm not meaning it. She's getting too much church. <laughs> it's this intensity. Now, everyone understand that I'm not anti-church, but the people she hangs around spiritually are the people who basically say, what you're doing is great, but it's not enough. Oh, you've only gotten four people saved this week. Why wasn't it five? You know, you prayed you prayed three hours a day. Why wasn't it four hours a day? That you know that kind of arrangement thing. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just a pressure. This pressure of, you know, and I'm I'm working with her about what true spirituality looks like. You know, I said, she goes, I just want to please. I always feel like I fail God every day, and that and she's fifteen. You know, that just yeah yeah she's 15 I'm going and I'm going she goes you know because then you know I hear someone say they prayed a couple of hours and I only prayed for an hour and I went and I, I just want to know Jesus better I said you know a lot of times in the just your attitude that you're saying you want to know Jesus better is what Christ is looking for you know I, I, I told him you know we went over the you know story you know Christ showed about the 
the uh, the Pharisee praying and the and the tax collector praying and the one was praying, you know, thank you for not making me like this guy and the tax collector saved me, oh Lord, I'm a sinner and such. Christ was going for the heart there. What what, what is your heart saying? And I said, there's a lot of people that read their Bible all day that don't live their Bible every day. And it's not about reading it. It's about what are you getting? I, th I think Christ, instead of you reading for five hours, if you take a couple scriptures for 15 to 30 minutes and say, what is the Holy Spirit trying to tell me in this couple scriptures? I think Christ is more than happy with that. You know, to, instead of just saying, hey, I read a whole book today in the Bible. You know, well, you read it through quickly. You didn't get anything from it. You know, but as I took a couple of scriptures and I just meditated in those couple of verses and what does the Holy Spirit want to teach me through these verses? That's what Christ is looking for. But anyway, I digress here. But I mean, just this intense pressure. And she's a good kid. I mean, I mean, I mean, her problem is say that I want to know Jesus more and I feel like I'm being I'm disappointing him. And, you know, she's taking that whole depression, of, you know, it, it's turning into oppression for her on her shoulders and it's just this and it was about status and respect i mean she's not even respecting her own spiritual walk to where and i understand i've been seeing her for several weeks now so i know you know i mean she's she goes to church she reads her bible she prays she tells people kid the kid you know she invites kids to church and things i mean and you're kind of going and she goes i'm such a horrible human being and you know and i'm going you know the devil sometimes uses church to send the wrong message to you comparing yourself to other people and we never win that game and i said where christ is going i like your heart i like your attitude it's about seeking me the growth is in the journey the devil whispers no you're already supposed to be there at 15 and you're not so you're a failure so you start disrespecting yourself you start not liking yourself and and when you start not liking yourself it affects you spiritually you know i mean i just you know not, not, we're not talking about humility i think we went over that a few weeks ago different between true humility and this low self-esteem of disrespecting yourself so in working with her i came across this and i, I don't know boy is that still i can did we talk about emotional intelligence in here we did. Everybody remember what emotional intelligence is? Okay, emotional intelligence, yeah, different than IQ. A lot of people are uh, looking to emotional intelligence more than IQ. We're starting to disprove the IQ test. We're starting to do all that because there's really not, that IQ is really not a good judgment of really intelligence or your ability to learn. Um, we're now looking much more into emotional intelligence, which is a regulating of emotions to where you might know everything about your work, but if you don't have the ability to emotionally regulate yourself, you ain't getting anywhere at work. You know, people who don't know how to work, huh? You got, well, people don't know how to deal with people. I mean, there's sometimes people who know less about the work, less about the job, but because they know how to handle people, they move up in the company. Isn't that right? Have you seen that? So it's just about the ability. And we're starting, and so I'm working with this, and, and this really, and, and we're going to look at the biblical kind of comparison to this, because I think really, there, there's a scripture that says, um, Lord, who are you that you are so mindful of me? You know me. 
and God wants you to know yourself. And so we're going to look at this. We're going to compare it to spirituality because I think this, like I said, I planned on going on to the natural world today, but this just hit me strong this week. And I said, eh, let me do one more week of this. So the four components of emotional intelligence. We're going to look at this. We're going to look at what God says about it. First of all, self-awareness. That's the easy one. The ability to identify your feelings, your strengths, and your weaknesses, and your drives. You practice mindfulness. You expand your emotional vocabulary. You recognize your triggers. Learn your preferences. Utilize your self-assessments. Now, let's just bring this in here. First of all, identifying your feelings. All right. Uh, Madison, what are your feelings at this moment? Happy. Why? What makes you happy? Well, I know that God's blessed me. So okay. Whether I'm feeling it or not, it's a choice, and then it helps. Well, there's not a wrong answer. <laughs> I, just, I just, well, and it's just the ability to identify your feelings of, you know, sometimes we just react, and we don't know why, you know, what am I, someone's angry, but they're really jealous. Their anger comes from jealousy. Their, their anger comes from fear or, or, or things like that. The ability to identify right now, I am just a really mad person. And this is why. What I'm feeling and why am I feeling it? And because I asked this young girl that, you know, I've been seeing, I, I, I asked her, I said, okay, so what are you feeling? I said, I feel like a failure. Why do you feel like a failure? Because I don't read my Bible enough, I don't pray enough, I don't do this enough, I don't do the other. I said, whoa, <laughs> you know, and it just, so we, we, we start dealing with those things and you start working those out. So the ability to identify what you're feeling right now is actually quite important. God wants you to do that. God just says, hey, you know, and not to deny your feelings, but to openly say, I really am jealous right now. I really am scared right now. And, you know, the more we try to hide our feelings and, and, and store them away, the more, as Faith said, <laughs> you more increases your chances of going postal later <laughs> because it eventually has to come out. You know, you just, it, it, it gets to that level. And so, you know, you ever, you ever notice someone that they're just getting dumped on at work or at school or something and they just keep the smile, they keep the smile, they keep the, and you say, hey, you want to talk about that? No, I'm fine. I'm fine. What are you thinking about that person? Come on, it's just, hey, come on, give me, you want to talk? Because it's more than just, hey, I'm just going with the flow and I'm okay. It doesn't, no, they're going, no, I'm fine. I just, you know, serenity now, serenity now. You know, there, there comes a point, you know, you want to vent those feelings. Next is your strengths and weaknesses. Everybody pretty aware of your strengths in here? You guys pretty aware of your weaknesses? Yes, sir. I write them down. Well, that's good. You're you're emotionally intelligent in that area. I, yeah, I just well, I mean. Well, there comes a point you have to be pretty much at your strengths and weaknesses and what drives you. Um, because it, what I did with this young lady, uh, this 15 year old, is I said. What is it about your spiritual life that you really get enthusiastic about? And she actually says helping people. 
She said she wants to be a pediatrician and she wants to take care of babies. She wants to go to poor countries, you know, that don't have doctors and, you know, the thing, you know, you go down there and you, you take care of babies in foreign countries. She wants, she said, I just want to help people, you know, that aren't getting help. So that's your drive. And she goes, I just, and sometimes I read the Bible and I don't understand. I said, okay, so you're comparing yourself to someone who their drive is reading the Bible, studying the Bible, and your drive is helping people. And the devil's got you comparing yourself to someone that God didn't create you like that person, and you're ignoring the person that God made you. And that's what the devil's whole purpose, and he's shaming you in doing that. Oh, you don't read the Bible like they do. Now, sometimes people exaggerate stuff like that about how long they read the Bible. But I don't want, I'm just digressing here. But let's say they're telling the truth. But she, I said, that's, I said, well, how does, how does that drive to help people help? She goes, well, and, and this girl, she, she volunteers for charity work. She, you know, she does that. And you're kind of going, yeah, you're Hitler, aren't you? You know, spiritually. I mean, Jesus must be really disappointed in you. You know, because you don't, you're, instead of staying home and reading the Bible, you're going out and you're feeding the homeless. And she goes, well, I guess not. And I go, oh, no, the devil gets you comparing. So understand your strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, it's not, not everybody's meant to read the Bible six hours in a day. Can I ask you a question? No. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. So what were your problems with always trying to be number one? What's your drive to be number one? Yeah, what's your drive to be number? What is the purpose? What do you get from being number one? What is what is your seeking by? Being number one is the goal, but what is driving you to reach that goal? So when I was in, I was younger, and I messed up years. I was, I was a finance guy, right? And for three years, you had to be in the top one percent out of the two hundred stores to get. Mm-hmm. Every last one of them, I won. But then when I was in Dope, blah 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 happened. I went to Rufin last year, and I broke my my owner's record. I sold twenty roofs. The average person in the nation sold. Well, I mean, it, 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 well, because there's so many different types of drives that could drive someone to want to be number one. Well, some people could be doing it for materialistic reasons. Some people could be doing it for, some, well, to be blunt, to be blunt, sometimes people want to be number one for pride. I'll do it. Now, once again, I... I don't see the problem with a person saying, you know what, I do this as a job and I want you to be the best I can at but that I job. But I help others too. To, to be, I want people to beat my record so I can go back and beat it. <laughs> exactly. I mean, but it's true though. Like, people have, like, like this month, they have a thing. You're, com- you're competitive. Very. Like, I have a tattoo and ambition on my back. Competitive is okay as long as you keep it in balance. Remember, everyone, what's the word I say here all the time? Balance. <laughs> to where you go. Because here's the problem. I stay Here's the downfall to competitiveness because then it gets you, you, you don't want to get competitiveness to one to be a thing of I'm superior to people or you start viewing people as the enemy or if someone does beat you, they're the enemy now. 
you know, you, you just got to keep things in perspective. This helps you to do that. You know, you got to keep aware of the drive. Some people just want attention. Maybe they didn't have attention before, and that it's about the attention, not about the money. That's where we start going back into past drives and attachment issues about just. If you focus more on yourself, here's the thing, like, here's where I go with, like, the, the winning the people of the Lord thing. There are people out there who take that competitive spirit to say, hey, I win more people of the Lord than you do. That's the wrong spirit to say, hey, I'm just out there winning the most people of the Lord. I hope people use me as an example. That's the right spirit. So, you know, And, and, and once again, what's your drive is, you know, if you got to be, you know, is it like I was so neglected as a child, I'm looking for attention. You need to be aware of that. That keeps you in balance and keeps you, you know, what's the purpose? Humble. Yeah. You know, you just kind of go, what's my drive here? You know, I mean, I, I have no problem with a competitive spirit as long as it stays in balance and right. stays, stays in perspective. I've gone, because there's always going to be someone better. I like what God does so many times that he does when you start thinking you're the best at something, he does send someone in your life that's a little bit better at it. So you just get a good, <laughs> hey, there is, a, I'm the greatest singer of all time and there's someone better singer than me. Well, that's about <laughs> It must begin with us, and this is self-awareness. We'd have to look at ourselves first, and so being self-aware, uh, and part of self-awareness is being honesty. Hey, I do have a weakness in this area. I need to watch out for this, knowing what your triggers are. Um, 
So you practice mindfulness, and that's that's a huge thing about just knowing your strengths, your weaknesses, to expand your emotion vocabulary. There are more emotions than anger, sadness, and happiness. I got a little thing on my back of my door in my office that when I shut the door, you know, when my clients have a hard time saying, well, what are you feeling right now? And they go, oh, I said, look at the door, because I got all these emotions with the faces on it. I don't know if any of you have seen that. And I said, point at which one of those? And there's like, there's frustration, there's, there's shock, there's uh, embarrassment, there's a whole bunch. So, I mean, so that's what it means by expanding your, know that there's more than, okay, I'm angry, but why am I angry? Sometimes you'll, angry is the surface emotion the secondary emotion it's really based on another emotion that you're feeling you don't know how to handle that other emotion so it turns into anger fears but when you're scared a lot of times you you know people person that don't know how to handle the fear it comes out as anger a lot of times those people you deal with that are ha- angry are having a problem with able to identify their true feeling so the only way they know how to ex- express it is anger in other words fear they're scared or they're jealous or they're fresh well you go ahead and read it Ah, for it's time for judgment to go with the family of God. Well, you didn't open it up all completely. There we go. Uh, just a minute. First time for judgment to begin with God's household. If it begins with us, what will the outcome for others do? Do not do not obey the gospel of God. But once again, it's about first Peter, Peter four seventeen. But it, it, what he's telling us there is examine yourself first. So the judgment begins. Judgment begins with us about ourselves and so recognize your triggers you know recognize what makes you angry what makes you scared what makes you frustrated what makes you jealous uh you know i just i dealing with a guy one time that was jealous over his wife talking to any guy period and she worked in retail what's the problem there He's going to say, he didn't want her to help in any male customers. And she worked in a men's clothing retail store. <laughs> he had issues. He didn't recognize his issues. Uh, learn your preferences and, and util, utilize self-assessments. There's like the personality test, knowing there's some value. Don't put too much into those, but we, we do that. So anybody, self-awareness. So self-awareness is a huge thing of being aware of who you are, knowing yourself. God wants you to know, and God will use the Holy Spirit in this. If you say, Holy Spirit, point out my weaknesses, guess what? He's going to do it. He just, are you listening? You know, just, you know, it's not going to, it's not going to, Holy Spirit, point out my weaknesses, and the Holy Spirit says, no, I don't think so. No, he's going to do it. So don't be shocked when you pray that prayer. And the Holy Spirit says, let's talk about your addiction to Starbucks. <laughs> just, <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> no, all right. So uh, self-regulation was the next one. And it is the ability to control and cope with and manage your feelings and impulses. So you just know someone that is just so much on the emotional end that's just you don't have to emotionally react to everything. They, the, the logic is almost like turned off and the emotion just, they just bypass their logic part of their brain and go straight to. No. <laughs> this is about. <laughs> not going there. Because the Andrew's always making comments about women, the way women react. <laughs> it's like, 
we watched we watched an Andy Hardy movie, which I don't think anybody in here knows what Andy Hardy is. Do you? From the from the thirties and forties, the Mickey Rooney, Andy Hardy, Judge Hardy, Carvel. He he was a high school boy, Mickey Rooney, when he was in high school, and his dad was the local judge. And he always every movie, he got into some. It was, last night was Andy Hardy has spring fever, and he's 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 directing the school play and and. Drama, drama teacher, and it's time for the girls to go to the dramatics class. And Andy Hart goes, well, that's just a natural thing. Girls are dramatic. And Andrew loved that line. <laughs> it's just, anyway, watch an Andy Hardy movie sometime. You guys will be really so. Um, so self-regulation here. So it's about managing your stress. Who in here does not have stress? Well, that's part of management. First of all, I'll have a client come and say, Clayton, get rid of my stress. I want to get rid of stress. Uh, no, we're not. It's learning about managing your stress. Now, some stresses we put upon ourselves, self-induced. Now, knowing the difference, though, you know, well, I'm always running. I'm stressed because I'm always late to work. Well, what time are you? Well, I'm leaving five minutes before I have to be work. It takes me 20 minutes to get there. Okay, well, if you leave 25 minutes before you have to be there, odds are you're not going to be as stressed. That's self-induced. That's self. Now, like the little well, the girl that I was talking about opening up, it is a stress. Sometimes our stress we can't help it. You hit. Tra I don't like traffic jams. Traffic jams stress me out. But what was I going to do about it? That that really is out of my control. You know, somebody had a wreck up. By the time my attitude gets, I need to talk to Jesus about my attitude because of. <laughs> Yeah, just, but it, it, it depends on who your boss is. <laughs> yeah. Are they understanding about a traffic jam? Yeah, well, and, they, and, and that's a good point. I saw, I'll, I'll get you to, to your question here in a second. But that, that it is because one stress to one person is not stress to another person. Because that's a good example of that. You know, to a person going, no, seriously, this, I, this is beyond my control, but my boss does not care. That's a stressful situation for some. Or someone says, I'll have to tell my boss knows this road. You know, we, we live near 75. <laughs> when someone says, sorry for being late, I was on 75. That's all they have to say, you know, you know, so it, bosses, I understand. Okay. That person's not going to be so stressed. Their stress level is going to be lower. You know, there are some stresses we don't, you know, society finances, you know, you know, there were people, you know, whose finances went way down because of COVID that was not their fault. But it was, but it was a stress that was on them that they couldn't avoid, but they can manage. You had your hand raised up. I was gonna say, like, I start checking myself. I, I, I literally look in the mirror in my bathroom. It's like my phone, my phone, and I talk to myself every time. And so, like, I start doing as if I, if something happens to me and it makes me angry or frustrated, I, I act like it's even worse to be mad. Like, it, it really works for me timely. And like, I start doing that, and then I love it. It's like, am I gonna be thinking about this a week from now? That's what I start doing. That's a self. That's self-regulation. Remember what Christ said, and I know we touched on this a couple of weeks ago. He said, don't worry about tomorrow. You know, don't. Now, once again, he this was misinterpreted. People aren't supposed to worry. Good luck on that. You know, life is about worry. 
what he was really don't let worry overcome you. That's what the scripture is really saying. Don't let worry overcome you. Manage your worry. He said, worry about today, what you're dealing with in the here and now, what's sitting in front of you, what you're having to deal with. Concentrate on that. Tomorrow will get here. Time hasn't ceased yet. Yeah, keep, keep because a person who's worrying about stuff that is not even here yet, that's a person that worry overcome them. And it says he's saying, deal with the here and now. Today's got enough. Today's got enough problems for you to worry about to where you add on tomorrow's worries. And so, but even Christ is talking about regulation. That's regulation. He says, come out. He said, lay your burdens on me. I'll put my burdens on you, which they're a lot lighter. They're better. I, I, I filter them. I, I'm with you on this. So there's a little bit of self-regulation here. Eat and sleep well. Process your mo emotions before speaking or reacting. How many of you have someone in your life that you wish they would do that? Yeah, I, that was my next question. I mean, if it's you, uh, that's, but that comes with self-awareness. You, you figured this out already if you did self-awareness. Uh, defeat cognitive distors, dis, distortions. I had a problem with it. Defeat cognitive distortions. I can make that even bigger for you guys. Uh, defeat cognitive distortions. For instance, not having a good self-awareness of yourself. The girl, that girl just this week, she just, she breaks your heart because she's 15, <laughs> you know, and she's like, I think, I, I, and I ask her a question, I ask a lot of my clients, if Christ walked in right now and I asked him, what do you think about so-and-so? And she goes, well, she's okay, but she could be a lot better. And I, you know, it breaks your heart, you know. I said, I think he'd say more than okay. He loves you. He cherishes you. And, well, typically he can, he can say that about everybody. We could all be better. It's how you say, well, she could be better. Or, no, I love her. She can be better, and I'm helping her with that. Because we all could be better. And even Billy Graham could be better. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's dead. Well, and the definition of cognitive distortion is what you think of false things you think about yourself. That's an easier way to put it. And the author of that is Satan, of putting that in your head. You're not good enough for Christ. Well, he takes a nugget. You know, we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God, yes. But we're sinners saved by grace. We were covered in the blood of Christ, which... Once again, the self-aware, yeah, I'm a sinner. I could do a lot. Could I read my Bible more? Yeah. Could I pray more? Yeah. But Christ still accepts me, and he's working on me, and he's, I'm, I'm, he's in me, and he's getting me to where he wants me to be, which is complete different than you're a failure. Well, we've had a lot of people.
Correct. She has a relationship with church. And, and, and yes, and we've. And I said, man, the thing is about when you, even if you spend only fifteen minutes in sincere prayer with Christ, you get something from that. Even man, I've only got fifteen minutes, but I'm gonna give this fifteen minutes to Christ. Christ goes, he doesn't go, oh, only fifteen minutes. No, he says, you're giving me just. You only got fifteen. You're giving me all that. I'm gonna make sure to bless you for that, as opposed to you know. I got to figure out to do five hours. And Christ says, it's about, I told her it's about the relationship. Yeah. And, you know, and, 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 and it's this, the devil always takes the nugget of truth and distorts it to his advantage to bring us down. And once again, he gave her a cognitive distortion of this performance and this comparison that no one ever wins. And, and I said, you know, Christ just says, you know, if this is Bill that does the Bible study and it's Mary who does the prayer, you know, let God deal with Bill, let God deal with Mary, but God wants to deal with you on a personal level. Your relationship with Christ is not based on other people. It's based on you and him with the Holy Spirit as the mediator between the two of you. And it's, it's a beautiful, wonderful relationship to where... Yes, you can only pray for 15 minutes, but God can turn that into a wonderful, 50, best 15 minutes of the day. Yes, you may only read. Go ahead. With the Choctaw. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no. <laughs> we see each other very much. But then we could have another weekend where we're together the whole time. So the relationship doesn't change. We are in a constant relationship with each other, even though it may be 15 minutes one week or one day. And well, and I also, I, well, we were part of a church one time. I was associate pastor. I did the reading the Bible through a year. I don't know if I ever did that. And I, I'm not against it, but my problem with it, it started January 1st and ended December 31st. And you read a little bit of Old Testament, you read a little bit of New Testament every day. And I, I, I admire the, the dedication, the, the will and wanting to do it. But my problem was with it was almost turned into a rushing through to get it done by December 31st to where I said, is God more happy if you read the whole Bible in a year? Or is he more happy if you concentrate on the book of Ro Romans for a year? And just say, you know, I'm going to take a month on just one chapter and reread it every day and re what is the Holy Spirit trying to is God more. You know, hey, I got through it in a year. I had to rush there and read through it real quick. And let's be fair. There's parts of the Bible that are boring, <laughs> you know, the begats and the you know stuff. But when God, you know, you know what, just this year, I'm just going to start in Romans and I'm going to I'm just going to concentrate on like a passage at a time and maybe spend a month in just one part of a chapter and see what the Holy Spirit, I think God finds more of a relationship in that 
to where Romans has something to say to me this year as opposed to Jeremiah. You know, now, now next year it might be Jeremiah, you know, but just saying I'm going to spend, and then maybe you get Romans done in six months. Okay, now I'll move to Galatians, and I'm going to spend three months in it because I just want the Holy Spirit to speak to me as opposed to me just rushing. I don't want to discount people doing it in a year. I don't. I'm, I'm glad you used that word because I'm going to use that word with that girl. It shouldn't, if it's getting to the point where it feels like a task, it's not a relationship. It's like I'd spend, I pray because I want to pray and spend time with God. I don't want to spend time in God's word. I just want, I said, I told her, sometimes it's about just walking and meditating and just, you know, what does, you know, it, you know, uh, it, it's, it's just your relationship with Christ is defined by what Christ is speaking to you and wanting you to do. And the Holy Spirit gives you that message from Christ. That this, hey, today I just want you to just go for a walk in nature and just listen. Quiet your mind. <laughs> Quiet your mind. If you're keeping track of how long or how much, there's not a relationship. You know, just like, I don't know how long. I just read the Bible. When I was done, I was I quit reading it. You know, it just it's it's if you're having to keep, you know, it's also kind of like if you're having to tell people how humble you are, you're not humble. Um, <laughs> you know, it just you know, it just it's 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 one of those things. It's just it, and I'm glad I'm I, I I didn't use that word with her, but I'm gonna use that word with her this week by your permission uh, you know just because i said if it's a, if it feels like a task then it's not a relationship yeah and you gotta cut yourself some slack i've been my own worst enemy before where i just beat myself up that i didn't you know i'm reading through the bible and oh i missed the day because i was at work and this and that and you beat yourself up and that's not what god's after god is for real Well, it's praying without ceasing. And I, I told her it's it's an attitude of prayer all day. You know, just, you know, that any second you just say, well, thank you, Lord, for that. And you move on. And, you know, it's just, and it's, I told her, I said, I, I told her where you used to shame me was we'd go to the minister meetings and district council stuffs and praying over food that whoever was the preacher praying over it turned into a three-point message for five minutes of praying over food. And whereas when people ask me to pray for food and she's my witness, Lord, thank you for this food. Bless you for our time. Amen. And I mean, it's like, it's not a King James prayer. Just, and I got the, I'm, I meant it. I don't think he needs me to pray for four minutes over food. It says, Lord, we thank you for what you've provided here. Amen. That's all. I just, and I just, and you know, cause that's every now and then someone go, well, that was a lot of prayer. I said, well, I'm thanking him. And I thanked him. I mean, and it came from the heart. I said, I said, if, if that's what it comes from my heart, then it's sincere. It's more sincere because I, I, I swear there was one time we were, I was, I, can't, I think it was district council and guy was praying over the lunch and food. Lord, we thank thee, the bounty. Because this bounty represents your 
your sovereignty and your growing the food. And we come together for nourishment that also includes spiritual. And I'm like, I'm starving. I just want to eat. <laughs> I just, I just, it's a sermon. And I said, just thank them and we can get on to eat, eat. I'm, I'm appreciative of it. I just don't think, sometimes we make it a task that God never intended it to be a task for. And you just, just thank me, okay? <laughs> just be thankful for it. You know, enjoy, you know. And, and, and you know, I'm going to use that word with her because it is the task. That's a powerful word to use to where if it feels, it's kind of like in a marriage. If the marriage, coming home to your spouse feels like a task, then there's problems in the relationship. You know, you don't want to do that. So I know we need to go. I didn't even get done with this. So my goodness, I was, we're still stuck on, but this, this has to do with shame. Because what that girl was really feeling was shame. And it is about uh, respect. Cause, and I will, I, I'm fighting ministers today about, not today, but generally this time. that, And I, I will preach this till I'm blue in the face. God wants us to have a healthy self-esteem. He wants us to have a healthy respect for ourselves based on him. The opposite is low self-esteem, and that's not good for anybody. Sir, such a worm is, you know, but, but, but that's the self where I am a sinner, but I am a sinner saved by grace. I got the blood of Christ. I am a child of the king. I have been adopted into the royal family. I'm a child of the king. There has to be a healthy self-esteem about that. To where you go, I have greater he that is in me than he that is in the world. You know, if God be for me, who can be against me? That's some good, healthy self-esteem right there. And I'm going to up that. If you don't see value in yourself, you're sticking a finger of God's eye because you're a creation of God. I, I, I don't see value in myself. Even as a Christian, I devalue his sacrifice on the cross for me. And that's not good. All right. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we just pray right now. We don't want our relationship with you to be a task. We want it to be a relationship. And that, I know that's your heart that you would take a five-minute sincere prayer and can do great things for that and with that. Lord, we just help us to be aware of who we are in you, and that way we can serve you better because it is about you. That's how we keep pride away. In your precious name, amen. How many times God